GBOT.news. Uh, I'm Randall James. Welcome on November 5th, 2021. With me is Tyler. Hey, everybody. And Random. Good morning. All right. So we're doing something a little bit different. We've been doing this these book reviews when new books come out, and we're realizing that uh, the news is rapid fire enough with D&D 5e and other tabletop gaming that we are going to transition and just call this the news. So, uh, Tyler, what's the news today? Well, we just got Fizban's Treasury of Dragons. We've been looking forward to this for quite a few months at this point, and there's a lot to unpack here, so we're going to explore the book a little bit. Awesome. That's exciting. Uh, so, yeah, I guess maybe to open it up, we have new lore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually really excited about this new lore. One of the things that I immediately noticed as I was reading through is how they're already looking forward to how they're trying to incorporate this uh, multiverse stuff that they've been talking about. If you um, have listened to some of our other episodes talking about the future of D&D, or if you listened to or watched the live cast I don't actually know what you would call that, but the, the future of D&D celebration, basically. They're really trying to focus more on how they bring in uh, these things that we have talked about most likely as Spelljammer and uh, Dark Sun. They seem to be using dragons as the start of what we would think of as worlds is in the material plane, and dragons see across them. Um, and in fact, dragons are aware of their incarnations in each of them, and the more powerful dragons can actually do things like talk to the other versions of themselves, or sufficiently powerful ones can absorb other versions of themselves to get even stronger. Uh, and somewhere that one person who saw Jetly, the one besides me, is thinking, <laughs> hey, wait, I know this story. Yeah, it, it is kind of cool, because right, in, a, in a game called Dungeons & Dragons, it makes sense that you might actually want to make dragons like the ultimate creature in your world and this is really i feel like raising the power level of what we think of with dragons not just you know as you face them but even you know there, there's a lot of content in the book where they talk about a lot of folks historically have confused dragons for gods because of how powerful they are and they're not gods they're just really powerful one of the takeaways i had is that there's this idea that right in the beginning we had bama and tiamat and these are the progenitors of the material plane and there's this long epic poem at the front of it which is describing like how did this happen? And how did the first world get shattered? And now that we have all of these additional worlds, and, and I guess it's maybe worth saying, when they're talking about a world, they're not talking about, you know, here's Earth and here's Mars, but more of like, within the material plane, there are all of these different worlds, and they go through and, and talk about like, well, there's the story forever on and how it echoes this epic poem. Um, there's the, the, uh, the lore for Greyhawk and how this mirrors this epic poem they're making that concept kind of more canon so like you said randall bahamut and tiamat created the first world and then uh the other gods came in from the outer plane and were like hey humanoids live here now and then everything got crazy the world fell apart gem dragons were briefly a thing and then not a thing and then a thing again so now gem dragons are like the, the fragments of basically the third dragon god, uh, Sartior, I think it's pronounced. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah so the lore is cool. Uh, and then in addition to the lore, we get a bunch of really cool dragon-themed mechanics. And I know people are going to be very excited about all the character options. 
probably the first thing people are going to see is the rework of the Dragonborn. So Dragonborn have been a staple of D&D since late 3.5. They were in the Player's Handbook in 4th edition and then again in 5th edition. But since the release of 5th edition, they've been basically the weakest race in the Player's Handbook. Very, very cool. Very, very weak. And now they're reworked to be more in line with other races. So the new version of the Dragonborn are a ton of fun. They're very playable, but they're not so crazy that they're going to break your game. Yeah, so what did we get here? For one, and it seems to be the theme, instead of having your breath weapon once per long rest, you have it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. That's exciting because now you're not hoarding that breath weapon till the end. You, you know, at least use it once and then you hoard the second use till the end. <laughs> Thematically, though, it made sense for dragons to hoard things. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Even things that can save your life. There are now kind of three origins, right? So you have your metallic dragonborn, you have your chromatic dragonborn, which have always been there, and that was tied to your breath weapon and resistance. But now we also have this gym based dragonborn to mirror the third branch i guess of of dragons yeah a fork of dragons i don't don't know (laughs) and then with this like the metallic dragon get an additional metallic breath weapon the chromatic dragon gets they get to turn their damage resistance up to immunity for one minute once per day okay which is pretty cool yeah And, and yeah i guess that's tied to so if you were a red chromatic dragon and you were already resistant to fire now you can be immune to fire for one minute per day yeah go take a quick swim in lava if you want Nice. (laughs) So we also got uh, two new subclasses, the Monk Way of Ascendant Dragon and the Drake Warden Ranger, both of which people are really excited about. Way of the Ascendant Dragon Monk basically lets you, like, fly for super brief periods, get a breath weapon, cool stuff like that. And then Drake Warden finally lets you live out your dream of having a pet dragon. People are excited about both of those. Uh, Ascendant Dragon is getting some mixed opinions because it's considerably weaker than the Unearthed Arcana version, and Drake Warden is tons of fun. It's really good. I have character optimization stuff up on RPGBot.net already, and we'll link those in the show notes, but there's a lot of fun to be had here. Yeah, there's a for flavor, there's like a really cool picture in the book of a dragonborn drake warden ranger with their drake like cuddling and playing around and yeah that's a it's cool i I really like both of those i i really like the the ranger version in particular and um you will probably see if you continue listening to the stuff we put out where uh i'm going to create a character that is a kobold drake warden (laughs) ranger who who has a kind of worshipful view of their drake because Boy, that seems like a fun thing to do. <laughs> that is the most cobalt thing I've ever heard that doesn't involve a trap. And <laughs> <laughs> running away. <laughs> uh, let's see. We got uh, we got more of the usual stuff in new splat books. We got some cool new spells, a lot of interesting things in there. There the psychic lance spell was a huge abuse problem in the Unearthed Arcana version where you could walk around and just assassinate people by name. So I'm glad they fixed that. Let's see. So most of the spells are named after dragons, which appear in D&D history, like a Shardalon step named after a Shardalon who I want to say they brought a Shardalon into the canon in fourth edition, but I probably should look that up. Anyway, giant red dragon absorbed their echoes from across, across multiple material planes and became super powerful and messed stuff up for a while. A Shardalon appears in a bunch of the D&D board games and such, so 
so he i want to say he has been around for a while but cool stuff we also got some a completely new variety of magic items so they're called horde magic items if you're familiar with critical role and the wild amount setting they're similar to the vestiges of divergence which works introduced by critical role basically a magic item that kind of levels up with your character but rather than rather than leveling up with your character or as part of a story device you have to essentially charge horde items by putting them into a dragon's horde for some amount of time and it creates this cool mechanic where you can steep the item kind of like you'd steep a tea by just leaving the item in a horde for a year or you can kill the dragon put the item in their hoard, and it only takes like an hour. So if you're in a hurry, you can go kill a dragon to charge your item, but you need to kill progressively more powerful dragons to go up through the steps with the item. So it it lets you make dragon slaying or at least interacting with dragons like a recurring mechanic in your story while getting this really cool item that stays interesting for your whole career. Okay. And, and so like I've got these really cool gloves that help me lockpick or something and I could be the best lockpicker ever as long as I can continuously slay stronger and stronger dragons. Exactly. That seems like the right path to be really good at lockpicking. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, Welcome to D&D. Yeah. I, one of my favorite things about these, so dragons immediately know if one of these items is in their horde, but they don't know where. So I love the idea of somebody sneaks into a dragon's horde, hides one of these items to steep, and then leaves and comes back a year later, and the dragon has spent like a year meticulously combing their horde trying to find this thing, and they just can't. It's like, oh, I, I'm an ancient dragon. I've got 20 hordes scattered all over the world worth millions of gold pieces between all the actual gold and items and stuff, and I cannot find this one little trinket buried under a mountain of other stuff just going insane for a year until some guy walks in and is like ah oh, yeah i'll take my item back now please yeah yeah but it, they'll know when it's gone it's interesting <laughs> yes. that you mentioned that that is one of the other things that i thought was really cool is that they they really unsurprisingly about this book they did an amazing job of fleshing out dragons as not just a stat block but as things to incorporate in your world and one of the things that if you're Familiar with 3.x, dragons had like seven age categories, and it was kind of nuts because every single age category had a different stat block. For one thing, they've toned that down to four, which is much easier. They have given us um, example stat blocks for all of them, and they've also talked about how these dragons interact with their world. So like Tyler was talking about, dragons will now, it explains the age progression Dragons will have multiple hordes, and from these hordes, things expand out from them into the world, affecting how creatures are born, how they live. Uh, like, you will get people dreaming of the dragon or things related to the dragon. You will get the dragon's preferred food suddenly coming to live near the horde, which is a little bit weird until you realize that it's... <laughs> the dragon drawing the things there. All of this does a really phenomenal job of making it so that if you did want to run a campaign with a dragon as a primary feature, you're going to be really well equipped to do so far beyond just what the stats say, but 
you could very easily homebrew your own campaign around all this stuff and have a lot to go on. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm imagining you're talking about like the, the favored food kind of moving into the area, just going into a city and you're like, I don't remember there being so many in and out burgers here. What's... <laughs> I, th- I think one of the examples is one of the gem dragons. Their favorite food is giant squid. So giant squid will just move towards where their lair is. Yeah. So like, why are there river giant squid? What is happening here? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Good, so, good. Uh, yes, random touched on some cool stuff. The incorporation of hordes as more of a mechanic for how dragons work is really interesting. Like, one of the example layer effects that they added is there's a chance that humanoids born in the vicinity may just be half-dragon when they're born, which, imagine explaining that to the parents. Yeah. Wait, does does being half-dragon mean being dragon-born, or is it... No. Okay. Dragon-born are a distinct race. Half-dragon is basically a template, so, like, you're half-dragon, half-human. So you could be a half-dragon, dragon-born and have breath weapons from both of those things. <laughs> Random and I have a long-running joke about a, a character we once encountered that had just a ton of templates from back in the 3rd edition era. It was like half-dragon, wear Dracopire lich. It, very yeah. silly. When the moon comes out, they become a dragon. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, good. <laughs> so we nice. also got uh, we got one last character option that i'm very excited about called draconic gifts they're similar in many ways to magic items but rather than being a physical thing you have it's some magical gift you get from a dragon and they use the same rarity system that magic items do so the dm could award these as treasure in basically the same way so like you go and you you slay a dragon and you get like such and such items, like this guy gets a plus two sword, this guy gets a magic wand, this guy gets a draconic gift. And they're they're flavored as something that you can generally receive as a gift from a dragon, and then the accompanying art is someone about to pour a bowl of dragon's blood over themselves. So so you can either get it as a gift or by taking it by some means. But the the benefits are really cool. There's some interesting options in there. One of the suggestions is you can just have a feat as a draconic gift, and then they don't give a rarity for that one. So I, I try to get people's opinions about that one on Twitter, and people are kind of split between either rare or very rare rarity. So I'm thinking, like, if you're going to do that, it's going to vary by feat. But it it introduces an option to say, hey, I want to give a feat in place of a magic item as basically a quest a quest reward or something. And I think that's really cool. I mean, can you imagine also using that like at leveling up time in lieu of taking this feature instead, I'm going to take a draconic feature? Now that's an interesting idea. I could see that, like take a rare draconic gift and take that instead of an ability score increase. That's a clever idea. Yeah, exactly. Like one of the things I was looking at in particular was the protective wings uh, so basically, uh, you or another creature within five feet of you, you can basically manifest wings for a moment to raise AC equal to your proficiency bonus. That's nice because it scales with you as you grow, and it also gives you the ability to protect not just yourself but folks around you. I think it was once per long rest. Like I read that, I'm thinking that's really powerful. I wonder what the comparables would be. Like if you were already a tank, do you really want that feat, or is there something equivalent that you already have? 
Well, there's the defensive duelist feat, which sounds similar, but there okay. there will be trade-offs between those two things. So. But yeah, I like that idea. That's cool. We got some other new mechanics, dragon minions, basically just cool traits that you can slap onto minions that serve a dragon. Like one of them is they explode when they die. Useful. <laughs> As we were talking about layers uh, and, and hordes, so the, these layers, a lot of them have maps now that they've given us, in addition to full maps with descriptions of every single dragon type. Now, it, admittedly, they're, they're scaled for some of the, the larger dragons, but you could very easily tone it down, or if you wanted to like split parts off and say this is you know, the separate parts of the hordes that are scattered. There's some really interesting things that it describes for, like, uh, like I was saying earlier, what the surrounding environment is like. It affects the creatures. It'll also affect things like some of the crystal dragons. You'll just have a spring up around their their layer. You'll have uh, like rocks that sing. The horde becomes this magic item sort of by itself. It can have parts. Uh, I mean, obviously, like they they give a lot more ideas of what you could fill the different dragons' hordes with. So there's tables full of this particular type of dragon. The centerpiece of its horde will always be this particular type of thing. So, you know, it talks about, like, one of the gem dragons really hates aberrations. The centerpiece of their horde is always going to be something where it's about dealing with the outer planes, finding something about how to root out aberrations, all of the, like, whereas in previous editions and previous things, it might just say art items. No, it'll tell you what all the art items that particular types of dragons are likely to have could very easily get really specific about the things that people are going to find as they go through this stuff. I'm really appreciative that they went so much into how are we going to make these things thematically different so that it's not just, ah, uh, yes, and dragon horde. I like that we got tables for random dragon hordes. I always like a good random generation table. So, like, you can go in, and depending on the age category of the dragon and a couple other things, there's, like, a series of tables you roll on to get counts of different items of different types, and we'll tell you, like, oh, yeah, go in the Dungeon Master's Guide, roll on these such-and-such tables this number of times, and then you can get a very specific inventory of, like, what is in each of these dragon hordes to make them each distinct. Now, of course, you can always just generate that on your own if you want to, but a lot of times it's fun to just generate something random just to get ideas and then maybe tweak it from there or just, yeah, throw it on the table as generated and surprise your players with whatever comes up. Yeah, I mean, one, of my, one of my favorite things about the tables, like throughout all of, you know, both the core rule books and then all of the additional source books is getting an idea of appropriate level. You know, even if you don't use one of the 10 things that are in the table, getting a feeling for like, okay, this is on par with what ought to happen. And so that kind of gives you, even if you want to use your imagination, it gives you something to pin to. Yeah, I like that idea. Perfect. Uh, we have new creatures. Um, and I know we've kind of hinted at it already. So we have this new third fork of dragon, which are these gem dragons that have, you know, all the mythos that are explained for both chromatic and metallic. You're going to get the same thing for gem dragons. And then retrospectively adding content to the Dragonborn tied to the Gem Dragon. Like, I thought that was really complete, really well thought out. Yeah, I agree. People have been asking for Gem Dragons to come back since 5th edition was released, basically, because they're kind of a big thing in the lore of Forgotten Realms. 
And since Forgotten Realms is basically the default setting in 5th edition, people were surprised that it took this long for Gem Dragons to come back. So we have all the usual stat blocks for them, the four age categories used in 5th edition. We got some returning monsters like Dragons, Dragons, however they're pronounced. Uh, they're, they're officially called Lion Drakes, finally, which has apparently been a fierce debate since they were first introduced in, like, Monstrous Manual 2 of AD&D. They've okay. basically gone back and forth on names since then. I'm, I'm not familiar with this. What is this not a dragon thing? So imagine imagine a very small dragon with a lion head. That's basically it. The art for them in 3rd edition is frankly kind of hideous, but they look pretty cool now. We also got dragonelles, which are basically a miniature dragon specifically intended for you to ride on. There's a couple of other like, less notable varieties, like we got sea serpents and... Dragon turtles. Dragon turtles. I don't want to say they're less notable. They are, they're notably always one size larger than a regular dragon of comparable age category. And the like mythic level dragon turtle CR24, as large as a, an island that people could live on for a long time. I particularly like the bit of flavor that they chucked in on that one. So, of course, this is Fizban's Treasury of Dragons. Fizban being one of the names that Bahamut takes in similar you know, style to Xanathar's and Volos, uh, they have notes written in Fizban's voice throughout. According to Bahamut, neither he nor Tiamat made the dragon turtle. He has no idea where they came from. Seeing that little bit of, how did this happen? And make, makes you think, is it really a dragon? But they certainly give it rules like it's a dragon. All kinds of good art. They're basically just your enormous underwater kraken if it was a dragon. It's really good. And so the 5th edition Monster Manual has a dragon turtle in it. But this is expanding and actually tying it to the different ages so that you can have an ancient dragon turtle, uh, a young dragon turtle. I like that they expanded on the dragon turtle because it's always kind of been an afterthought in previous editions. So this time around, they gave it the full dragon treatment. Like, they, they use the same horde rules as other dragons do. I think the same thing applies to sea serpents because they're also a dragon. But they're less... I believe dragon turtles and sea serpents are both neutral, so they're not, like, philosophically inclined like other dragons are. They're just, I, I am a big angry dragon, and I want to eat food and have territory and accumulate treasure, and I like to be left alone other than that. What drives a turtle to be neutral? <laughs> tell Deep my contemplation. Tell my uh, collection of shipwrecks I said hello. <laughs> cool. We, uh, we, got, we got great worms. So we mentioned this previously with the Shardalon and the seeing across realities and dragons absorbing their echoes across various material planes. So great worms are essentially, I have looked beyond my, my own world, absorbed other versions of myself to accumulate power, and now I'm big and scary. The Draconic Great Worms are CR-27. I think the the Dragon Turtle version is only CR-24, but still, CR-27 is quickly approaching the CR-30 used for aspects of deities, the Tarrasque, other big spooky things like that. So they are crazy powerful, and they also brought back the Mythic Actions mechanic, which was first introduced in Mythic Odysseys of Theros and hasn't come back since then. If you're not familiar with the mechanic, basically, you kill it once, it hits zero hit points, boss music plays, and it gets up and has better legendary actions. 
So it essentially adds a second phase of fighting these creatures where they're way more dangerous. This isn't even my final form. <laughs> exactly. I, I touched on this in our episode that we just recorded, which may not be out yet by the time you listen to this. So one thing that's interesting to look at in Fizzbands is they have gone with the likely to be the standard version of stat blocks where things that can cast spells no longer have enormous spell lists and they just have here's your four spells that you can cast as the spell casting action. Several dragons, particularly I, I think they can cast spells as legendary actions because they were confident enough that, okay, we have toned this down to these four spells. We know people can't break the game with this. That's that's one interesting thing that this is sort of the, the first introduction of. Yeah, I'm excited to see that at the table. At, at some point, we'll just have to do like a level 20, we're going to fight a great worm, just to see how it goes. One of the other fun new creatures in there, they made a horde mimic, which is... <laughs> Basically, what if a mimic, but the size of an entire dragon's horde, it's like a CR-15 mimic or something, and it just pretends to be the entire horde and eats people. It is one of my favorite things to come out of a splat book in a long time. Wait, so how does it work? Like, th this particular gold coin, I go to pick it up, and it seems to be attached, and then all of a sudden, ah! Like, the entire gold pile you're standing on is the mimic. Yeah, yeah the, the art for it is an adventurer climbing a pile of gold to get to a magic sword perched at the top, and there's a mimic mouth right behind them with, like, the long, crazy mimic tongue coming out. And the description of it says they're intelligent, like, intelligence 12, so intelli more intelligent than your typical human, and they speak languages. The description says if they know they're losing a fight, they'll bargain for their lives. Like, they'll say, hey, don't kill me. I'll tell you where the real horde is. Which, I like that. I like that idea. The monster's smart enough to surrender and bargain for its own safety. With the gold that it's mimicking. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's terrifying. That's fair. So, was there anything surprised that kind of wasn't in the book? Random actually introduced this to me a long time ago. So, back in 3rd edition... Monster Manual 5 introduced this thing called Zorvental, Exorvental. I have no idea how to pronounce that. Random, help me. I, you've done as well as I'm going to be able to. <laughs> anyway, the, the concept was, quote-unquote, the great game. And it was essentially dragons are super scary and powerful, and they decide, you know what, what if the world was basically a high-stakes chess game that only dragons get to play? It essentially gave dragons a reason to interact in the world beyond just, I need treasure for dragon things. And it allowed the DM to make a campaign into, like, oh, yes, there's political intrigue or whatever being driven by dragons as the stakeholders. And they're playing this game over thousands of years with some inscrutable, undefined point-based system. And there is no mention of that. In, as far as I know, there has been no other mention of that concept in any book. But there is actually some some surprisingly deep lore in Forgotten Realms about it. Well, and it's, it's interesting that you say that. And while that is definitely not in Fizzbands, they did introduce a lot of other things to sort of replace it. There are half a dozen different draconic organizations mentioned that have their own goals. Um, you know, things like increasing the dragon sight, which is the thing that lets dragons view the other echoes and, and you know, maybe talk to themselves. 
you know, organizations that do things like that, organizations that, like, the Dragon Cult uh, very famously, oh, God, who's that? Ebendeth. Uh, you know, very famously worshipful of Ebendeth. There's this interesting concept. They, they list it in there. I don't remember what they call it, but basically a group of differently colored dragons who get together for some common purpose because they understand that each of them are going to have different skills. If you are looking for ways to add a lot of dragon flavor to your game, either in tweaking a, a pre-con or writing your own content, while there's definitely that, that one thing missing, I feel like they gave you a lot of different ways to try and write that sort of stuff yourself. You know, if you do want to go back and take a look at, at uh, Zorbenthal 4 inspiration, we'll have it linked in the show notes. But other than that, yeah, I, I think that you're going to be able to find a lot of what you're looking for just based on what they do have in there. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for joining uh, this very special episode of the RPGBot.News on uh, November 5th. 2021. This episode was produced uh, with uh, producer Dan. All hail the Leisure Illuminati. Hail. All right. You'll find affiliate links for source books and other materials linked in the show notes. Fizzbands, real good. You should get it. You should incorporate it into your game. Uh, you'll find our podcast wherever fine podcasts are sold. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Share it with your friends. And yeah, we'll see you next time. podcast say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.